What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 121 of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Sorry, I was just looking at the uh, the Zencaster recording and it like delayed for like I think three or three to five seconds before it started recording on my end. So I just wanted to give you the heads up. Oh no, it's okay. Do you want me to redo the intro or do a new? No, one? no, no, no. I think okay. <laughs> I, I think people need to know the truth about Zen. I'm sure on my end it will fuck everything up, and I'll have to resync everything. Or that's why I always wait a little bit. Like you guys right. don't know this because I edit them, and you see me start it right when we're supposed to start. But a little inside baseball of editing. If anyone's ever editing something, you give yourself a little leeway at the beginning because you need to make sure everything is, uh, you don't cut yourself off. Eric, how are you? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a loaded question. Cause, um, if anybody watched the, uh, interview or listened to the interview with, uh, Jay Cheel for cursed films too, um, I was starting to feel really sick uh, the morning of that interview. And so I uh, did a, a COVID test and tested positive. Um, a family member got me sick. It wasn't due to, you know, going out anywhere or doing anything without a mask off or what have you. Uh, no, it was, we, it, yeah, it's all good. No, I know. I just want to make sure that it, like, I make that perfectly clear. Um and so well you've been one you've been extremely extra cautious throughout this oh whole thing, so yeah well i mean um, it's also partly because i've been helping my grandparents who yeah, are of you course, know, in yeah. their late 80s and early 90s and so you know like you 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 become more hyper aware of everything that you you touch and everything that you do and trying to keep your hands washed double mask uh, you know carry um hand sanitizer you know, and, and, and minimize the risk. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get it still. Obviously, yeah. you know, this, this most recent variant that we've, we've had is been apparently the most contagious. Um, and so for the last week or so, the, the, the long weekend before, uh, the Easter weekend, um, you know, going from that Thursday into it, I have literally just been bedridden for, uh, most of it. Um, I'm starting to feel better. I'm eating solids again and um, would just highly recommend that you <laughs> still wear a mask wherever you go. If you do not have your boosters, get them. Uh, the fourth yeah. one is starting to roll out. Um, be aware of when that is available to you in your age bracket and uh, get it. I have to wait now for three months um, after having COVID. So that's what my, I was talking to my doctor about it. And she was saying, you need to wait. Like, mm -hmm. so I'll be, I'll be able to get it in mid July, even though it's not eligible to our age range yet, but probably um, not until then anyway, mostly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But who knows? So yeah, you know, take care of yourself. It, COVID is very real. <laughs> well, take care of yourself. I'm glad you're feeling a bit better and better enough to do this. So I really hydrating on the, on the mountain dew. <laughs> the dew will cure all. <laughs> It's the cure for COVID, Mountain Dew. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better because that's why we've been off for a little while. Not specifically just that. I've also been very busy, um, you know, with wedding stuff and just that Easter weekend. It was just this kind of um, perfect storm of, you know, Eric getting COVID. I got really busy with wedding stuff that like um, we just 
Uh, Eric did that interview. Thank you for doing that interview with Jay. It's fantastic. Everyone should go uh, check it out. Um, Jay, one of the best voices in the business, a great interview that you did uh, with him. Also, um, since we're talking about him now, Cursed Films yeah. 2 is on Shudder. Yeah, the first three episodes as three, we're talking yeah. about Stalker uh, Wizard of Oz, uh, Rosemary's Baby, and Stalker. On top of that, Jay Teal's first feature, Beauty Day, is now available on Blu-ray for the first time. Beautiful. Uh, it's a honey, that's for sure. Um, and it's through Vinegar Syndrome. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend picking this up. It's got a ton of special features, audio commentaries. Behind An the scenes. underrated documentarian. Because I feel like people, like, obviously Beauty Day and both How to Build a Time Machine, small Canadian movies, right? Obviously Curse Film was a little bit bigger because Shudder's a big streaming service on in the US and Canada. But still a guy that I think is completely underrated and like i love both beauty day and how to build a time machine and i'm not even a doc guy you guys know that um but they're great yeah yeah and if you're like especially with beauty day like if you're if you're interested in like you know jackass and stuff like that yeah like, this kind of predates all of that as well so. i know yeah yeah, uh, but I appreciate that you more that morning you found out. I know it was early, so you were still feeling better, uh, like okay. But I, I appreciate was, you. I was feeling that. like when it, <clears throat> when I was talking to Jay, I I felt like I had this headache coming on, and yeah. uh, like I was feeling really tired. And I was upfront with him in the interview. I was like, Oh, I know. Like, yeah, just... you. That's why I, you know <laughs> I I kept it in there, and like obviously it was right off the beginning. So, um. It was a great interview, so thank you for doing that. But yeah, that mixed with things we were we've been off for a little while, but we do have reviews up right now for, um, oh my god, the unbearable weight of massive talent and the Northmen. So uh, a little bit late on those, but those are both out now for you guys to listen to. So we are back, and we should be pretty consistent up until uh, I get married. That will be an interesting time. We'll have to figure out. Um, but, um, we should be back to our regularly scheduled programming and this should be a fun episode. We haven't recorded in a bit. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, there's lots of stuff going on that we missed. We're going to talk about the Thor love and thunder trailer, the crimes of our future trailer. We're going to talk about the can lineup. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, some stuff we've been streaming on TV. Uh, and I also wanted to kind of talk about, um, I saw a tweet about Screen X pop up today and it gave me the idea of maybe possibly we'll see on time ranking all of the different ways you can watch a movie, whether it's theatrically, mostly theatrically or the couple ways you can watch it at home. Um, And I thought that could be fun because some of them are great and some are horrible garbage gimmicks and you should never go do them. (laughs) Screen X. Yeah. And we're not, (laughs) we're not at the stage yet um, where we can watch, movies subconsciously so you know <laughs> no there, oh, i got a great story remember the ghostbusters screen x thing too we can tell that story oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, i felt really bad about that but yeah it, that was just not my fault but like no it's still very vocal yeah. about how much i did not enjoy screen x and, and there's a story to go with that so we'll tell that in a bit but eric i don't want to make this all about you having covid but at any moment if you need to you know just uh cough at the screen and i'll know to kind of i might lie down during the podcast the, so hey, that's that's fine i might too um where do you want to start i mean we can get right in like we can do our normal thing of what you've been watching we can start to talk about some of the stuff we've been streaming or if you want to get into um trailers or or you know this show we make it up every episode of what order we do things so um i'm down to do whatever you want 
Well, let's. I think we should talk TV first, Matt. I think we should start with the small screen and then build our way up to the big screen because um, the one thing, well, two things that we've been watching, um, we both finished season one of Severance, uh, which is now available on Apple TV Plus, uh, all nine episodes of season one. And we also watched uh, season three, uh, episode one of Barry. Uh, which He's back, baby. Premiered. He's bigger than ever and ready to shoot some people in the head um, <laughs> and then deal with it in a melancholy kind of way. I uh, Both of them, I mean, like Barry, Barry wasn't a hard sell. It was just that it had been some time since we had seen. Two years, right? Since Yeah, season, season two. two. And where that ended and where characters ended up and where we were kind of, you know, reconnecting with them in season three. Um, but the show itself in that first episode of season three doesn't lose a step in terms of its tone being a very, very dark uh, comedy with gallows humor um, throughout and sort of the relationships and the dynamics and sort of, you know, taking it into account that it's partly a behind the scenes Hollywood-esque story, but with a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a hitman-esque element, uh, you know, very much prominent in Bill Hader's performance and, you know, his creativity, both in front of the camera, but on uh, behind the scenes as a writer, as a director. Um, and yeah, it, it, it had been two years almost now, or at least, and, like watching it, it's it once you kind of get back into it again, it's like, oh yeah, now I remember why I loved it so much. And um yeah, it, it feels like this season is just ready to roll. Yeah, I'm absolutely there with you. I forgot it came back because something else came back recently too. The cat came back? I forget what it is. I'm sure I'll remember. But um anyways, yeah, Barry randomly, uh, I'm like, oh shit, Barry. Oh, better call Saul. I can talk about that too. But anyways, um, Barry came back and I was like, oh man, yeah, I, I remember really enjoying the shit out of those two seasons. But I'm like, what the hell even happened? It's been so long. So I, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw on the premiere and and we'll see. I'm like, I, I remember I really like the show and I kind of remember where it ended off, but it's it's been so long and I have a garbage memory. I think it's just because we watch so much that things evaporate from my mind um if they, i don't immediately have been watching them recently so well, because television um, specifically right like there's so much that you watch from you know week to week month to month that it kind of feels like especially with you know the way that television is it's like like you're, you're going from one hot thing to another yeah and that's kind of uh what happened here so i started the episode i thought the opening and we won't spoil anything because you guys should watch all three seasons of Barry, but like or two and and start this new one. But um, right off the bat, I'm like this show, r that title card smash each time is so good. And you could um, burn into your screen though. So be yeah. Careful. Oh yeah. Um, it's <laughs> awesome. And but then immediately I was like, I gotta. I'm like I gotta pause this because like I don't remember. Like it, it doesn't do like, at least for me, cause I watched it on Crave. It didn't do like a previously on Barry or something like that. Maybe if you're watching it live, they do that kind of stuff still, but previously like, on lost. Um, well, that's what I mean. I need that. I'm a moron. I'm like, I don't remember what was happening. So like, I kind of do, but like, I I'm like, all right. So I found a YouTube channel called recap and chill shout out to that guy. And he does recaps for 
basically i don't know how he has the time but basically it seems like every tv show so i watched the recap of season one and two of barry uh so i highly recommend that for any tv show that you're not you know i know a lot of people are re-watching the first two seasons because they're only 25 to 30 minute episodes and only six or seven episodes a season i think or, or yeah because usually hbo um, stuff isn't a like a full yeah. like but you can fly through them, and I yeah. love that they're twenty some minutes. And um, and you don't want it to end, like that's the no, thing. no, that's We're... the thing too. Yes, it's you know some shows overstay their welcome. I'll talk about Better Call Saul, which I, I, well, I think, think even Severance, like I, yeah. I like Severance a lot, but like it feels like each, or at least the first few episodes being nearly some of them are you know fifty Over an minutes. Hour. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of setup in order to have a cliffhanger to get you to watch the next episode where mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's a little over stuff for each episode where like with Barry, like there's so much going on. But at the same time, how much it, they put ep- into those 29 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Each episode ends with you truly wanting to watch the next episode and it doesn't yeah, feel I, like it overstays its welcome. I really still think HBO is at the top of the the streamers when it comes to like original programming and stuff. And, um, and Barry, well, they can, another... they can fudge things up though. I mean, look at game of Thrones, oh, right? They're not perfect. Don't get me wrong, but I just think from a production standpoint and they just kind of have it down pat. Um, and yeah, Barry is, is fantastic. So you guys should go back. Like there's so much I want to talk about in that episode, but we'll wait maybe until the season's done. But like, um, just a shout out to Barry and you should definitely in Canada get Crave or HBO max in the U S and, and catch up on those first two seasons. Cause like, um, I think it is genuinely funny. It's genuinely nerve wracking. It's genuinely disturbing at times. And I think, Bill Hader is is fucking awesome. Henry Winkler is awesome. Um, I just I don't have enough good things to say about that show. And I feel like in that recap, especially I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot that happened. That was intense or like insane. And like there's so many of those moments that I'm like, oh, it's, I'm having flashbacks of how I felt watching that for the first time. And um, I think it balances all those tones really, really well, because. I was having a conversation moving on to severance um, with some people um, that is severance, a dark comedy. And I was like, I, I struggled answering yes to that because I felt like severance is a drama with darkly comedic elements where I found Barry leaning more into the comedy to be a dark comedy with dramatic elements. Um, that being said, I don't think like there's a lot of similarities between what I just said. And I don't think that there's maybe a huge difference. And I, that's just kind of a vibe that is hard to tackle and do right. And I feel like both of those shows do a very good job with that in very different ways. And I really enjoyed Severance. Like, I think that it's very addictive television. Um, I think Ben Stiller's direction, he directed a, a um, hey, <laughs> hey Siri, stop! Uh, hey Apple, it's trying to get some extra integration <laughs> into the show. Um, but Ben Stiller's direction in those first couple episodes, and the last couple, um, and kind of spearheading that series, I think, are excellent to perform. Adam Scott is great talking about like comedians, like him and Bill Hader, being like these guys that can give genuinely good dramatic performances as well, while still being very funny um he hasn't been that good since piranha 3d yeah no i mean adam scott is great in this and like i just love 
them tackling, you know, a, a toxic workplace and like these, you know, big companies that kind of treat their employees like shit. But then also on top of that, having that layer of, um, you know, from a personal perspective of, you know, the um, morality between what's going on there. And it's not just the job taking advantage of these people, but it's the people taking advantage of themselves weirdly. Um, and I don't know. I think there's a, there's so much great in that show. I think it, sometimes I, I agree with you that it took a little while to get going. And then also it has a lot of that kind of bullshitty TV stuff, which I know a lot of people love, but personally i find it kind of cheap at times with the needing a cliffhanger in every episode and especially in the finale and i'm not going to give anything away if you haven't seen it but like it it reminds me a lot of why we were angry at dune where i'm just like i'm very much a person that i need you to tell me and some of the criticisms we had with yellow jackets where i'm just like it's that classic TV stuff. And I think that's why I'm ultimately a movie guy over a TV guy, or I really love mini series. Cause they're just longer movies where I'm like, I don't like the bullshitty, like I'm going to leave you with a huge cliffhanger. And now you got to wait a year and a half until you figure that out. And, and it's not that you told me a complete story in that first season, you ended it partway through the story. And I get that, you know, a TV series is one very long spread out story but i feel like season arcs while severance had one and i feel like they do mostly accomplish what they were trying to do in that season i still think had some of that bullshitty kind of tv stuff that i didn't ultimately love but overall i think it's awesome and you know i can't wait for the second season and i think it touches on a lot of interesting uh you know interesting things yeah, I think when it comes to television, it's one of those situations where it's like you're investing more time in it as well. So yeah. if the ultimate conclusion of this show, no matter like how many seasons it's going to be, if it's going to be, you know, a few seasons or if it's going to be five or six seasons. And once it gets to the place that it, it eventually gets to, you don't want to feel burnt the way that you did watching something like Game of Thrones, where, you know, you, you put so much of your own time and interest in it and getting there. And it kind of felt like, oh, well, you know, that was either rushed or it was designed in a way that, you know, you didn't need all this, you know, extra subplots or B storylines in order to get to where you ultimately were going. Tell the best version of your story within you know this like a mini series again like watchmen i think is the perfect example of that where it's like damon lindelof knew that the story he was telling was this complete narrative and at the end of it it's like yeah i i could come back and 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 do more with it or i could just walk away and 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 say that like i i told the best version of this narrative in this parameter and with severance like it is very addictive it is extremely well made um it's it's well written and i really like the moral ambiguity of you know the office life versus your home life and them being separated and kind of creating a a, a split personalities yeah yeah or a new being even yeah essentially even though it's in your body it's a you're creating another person right yeah and and the idea of like you know like this is an office space as, as you mentioned it's not like a comedy first and foremost but it is there is a 
dark sense of humor to, you know, the procedural elements of going into work on a daily basis and, you know, the company not caring for you and having goals to build up to and sort of the little parties that they do and shit is just like defiant jazz. Yeah. Making fun of pizza parties that your work will give you and all these kind of shitty things to avoid having to pay you more and things like that. Like it touches on all of those things. And for a guy who recently, you know, I very vocal about me quitting my job last February for a lot of reasons that they're kind of poking fun at in this show of just these places that don't really give a shit about you and only care about the productivity and the, and ultimately the job and don't treat you like a human. So it's just such a cool way to use sci-fi to go. What is a way that we can kind of really hone in on that and use it in a, a very literal way, but in a very sci- sci-fi way. And it's so cool. Yeah, and and I again like I think the the world building and the design, even though oh, it yeah. is high concept, is cool. it, it is also familiar in like a kind of Orwellian kind of yeah. Big Brother is watching you with Luminon. The and, retro and, futuristic kind of thing too. Yeah, everything is kind of like plain and basic and also very symmetrical in its design, but it also kind of feels like it is completely and utterly, you know, um, imposing over its employees. And like, it just feels like it's suffocating you. And the more you learn about the characters in terms of their backstory, even though it's mostly focused on uh, Adam Scott's character. um, Like, I think the Patricia Arquette character who plays kind of the superior to the, to the office group um, is fascinating. And I don't want to give anything away, but you look at sort of like how, a chain of command works and how things are kind of, you know, ordered through a system and how one person takes that and then dumps it on somebody else. Yes. And then they and dump and it I just on... had this conversation, but in about real life things. Yeah. And, and, and I really liked how that character and that performance plays out, especially when you get to those last two episodes and you learn more about who that character is in those moments that's kind of both fascinating and pathetic at the same time and Mm -hmm. not just simply menacing because she's very menacing Mm and that kind of um, understated quality where she's emotionless, but still, you know, completely captivating. And, and I think that that power dynamic is interesting as well. And I really even love like, you know, someone like Yul Vasquez who plays Petey and, you know, he usually plays either like the Milchick or the Patricia Arquette kind of characters on TV shows. He's a really well-known character actor, but like him kind of being the catalyst of how this kind of, you know, story unfolds, I thought was really interesting. And in episode three, the way that certain things are edited within this character's mind reminded me so much of that episode of Watchmen where, you know, you're on the date with Regina King and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II's character. everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) Yeah, and how it's all kind of like, connecting on this timeline that is cool yeah yeah it's it's well it's so well constructed and you know we we talked about this not too long ago apple does seem to be finding a bit of a, a a strong spot now or a footing at least with their their television side of things because you have you know ted lasso which was kind of the flagship show for uh, the majority of it but now you have severance and i've heard slow horses is actually really good as well with gary oldman um so like they're they're finally they're putting their money where their mouth is kind of in in funding some cool stuff and it seems to be working for them yeah and and like there's some stuff coming up as well that it's like okay like this 
you know, looks really interesting and, and, and can work. And it just doesn't feel like, you know, Apple is throwing money at shows that, you know, really aren't getting an audience. And, and, and again, like, you know, servant has, has done well enough for them, but there's a lot Morning of like, show and yeah, stuff like that. But yeah. there's a lot of stuff. Like when you go on to, you know, this, again, this is inside baseball and, and, you know, we realize that we're very lucky to have this opportunity, but like when you go into like the media section of, of like what's available to us to watch, there's about like, you know, five to 10 shows on there that are still going that I don't think have ever really connected on really any level. Totally. And you can wise. find them on the the main platform too. And, and they're always very gracious with how early they give us stuff. And uh, severance I caught really late, like both me and you, um, waited until basically the finale to kind of catch up with it because a word of mouth is what kind of helped it. I kept hearing people talk about it, and uh, we haven't even brought up John Turturro and Christopher Walken, who are fucking awesome in it. Like John, John Turturro, Turturro, man, between the Batman, like, and yeah, this. like he's so good, and it's just like again, it's all these archetypes of people you would find at a an office, and you even that smug uh, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, oh god, he's so good, dude, and like. uh I just, you know, everyone, Zach Cherry is great too, who you guys would know from um, Spider-Man Homecoming and Shang-Chi for like, you know, big Marvel fans. And obviously was in other things like uh, Drunk Bus and um, and Unsane quickly and stuff like that. But he's a comedian, but like he actually has like a meaty role in this. And I thought he did a really He looks like a job. real person too. Like he doesn't yeah. look like he looks like somebody that you would meet in an office space. Like, yes, like part of this, like some of these the, this cast is like okay like adam scott is a known character actor and, and things like that but like there are some times when you watch you know shows or movies that depict the you know workspace environment that are hard to believe when you see you know a movie star in a blue collar role or a kind of a bigger name and i think casting a combination of both kind of seasoned character actors like john Turturro and you know this the the character of of uh Dylan in this case with 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 Cherry is that you get this nice blend of different again archetypes playing yeah. with you know the office you know working World. relationships yeah. yeah and i it's so awesome to kind of, and and again and i think Ben Stiller talked about this of like working with Apple and kind of the hypocrisy of this show being under apple especially with right. the company that they're kind of portraying but he's just like you know what shout out to them for being like nah you can go for it like we're not going to really get in your way like basically like this company you could allude to apple or amazon or or any of these big kind of uh media conglomerates that do a bunch of different things and i just think it's really interesting taking that down and and breaking down the work-life balance and toxic workplaces and just kind of doing that in this really fucking weird um, way with this sci-fi lens. And uh, also shout out to Michael Chernis, who you would also know from Spider-Man. Um, yeah, he was, he was the tinkerer, the, right? The tinkerer. And him as Rickon is so funny. And like that He's whole... one of those guys that always shows up because this is a New York-based production. And like he... The two movies that I always think of with him, he was really great in Men in Black 3. He has this one sequence as like a shopkeeper. Okay, and yeah. And then in uh, Mistress America, the the Noah Baumbach movie, okay. he's kind of playing a similar role uh, in this and sort of like where his art goes on severance with the book, I think is amazing. It's so funny. Like that self-help book and like the passages and just the idea of that these, you know, 
these drones basically that don't know any outside life other than work would be inspired by this book that he's written that's just filled with cliches and just like really but it's funny. meaningful because they like, don't know have any reference yes, to it, exactly right? and that's what i love is like that kind of nuance of like we're laughing at his writing and stuff like that but like to them it's like it helps them unionize and like that whole kind of like there's so much great satire of like that isn't strictly funny but when you break it down it is like it's like i remember yelling like nevis and i watching it and be like oh my god they're they're trying to unionize but in in the way that this show is showing it is so fucking funny how they keep the departments but then also disturbing and and like weird at times and like there's a whole sequence in the where you think the waffle party is going you're not going to guess where it goes i didn't realize that how literal it was going to be though as well like when when they were talking about the waffle party i was like okay there's going to be some kind of like it's going to be some sort of an illusion or metaphor to something and it kind of is but like but there's there's still our waffles (laughs) and then that's what's amazing like all those little things of like oh you get these little rewards for doing like you get a finger trap you get all this bullshit you get like these little trophies or you get the um, office perks uh, yeah the office perks that is just like that stuff on top of the unionizing on top of the layer of like if you did this to yourself like the morality of that but you're not realizing and who is controlling everything it's just like there's so much going on and it's really just got this cool vibe to the whole thing that it's expertly directed and and production design and, and and everything and the performances like i will Patricia Arquette's always one of those people that I can't there's sometimes like I think there are times where she's awesome in the show and then there are times where I'm like ooh I don't know about that take or like that that way you delivered that um but because the show has this kind of overall unsettling vibe to it or this weird kind of vibe to it I can kind of be okay with it but um I have a feeling I think I know what she's doing though. I yeah? think she's mocking oh. Meryl Streep. Um Oh really, you think so? Because the way the way that she talks, it's very similar to uh, Meryl Sorry, Streep's character to in um The Devil Wears Prada. The way that she even says like just says like Adam Scott's name like Mark, how are you and things like that. Like there's something really unsettling but also kind of a parody of Meryl Streep's career in a weird way that I've kept thinking about like in just in Sorry, terms keep of going like, Eric I have to reconnect my headphones but keep talking yeah yeah so I I honestly um I really like that there is this put upon quality of of uh, Patricia Arquette that kind of feels again like it, it like part of it is a facade and like where that arc or in that character arc goes and that storyline goes I think is really worth I'm back sorry um you know investing in but she reminds me so much of meryl streep in in devil wears prada the way that she kind of like presents herself and the way like i was saying um before you cut out there where like the way that she says adam scott's name like mark how are you things like that like there's something truly unsettling there but it reminds you a lot of like again like certain actors have that kind of like put upon facade in everyday life. And like that works, I think really well for this. I agree. I think it was more when she was showing anger or stuff in the later episodes that like there's a scene. Well, she's having a breakdown, right? Because she's losing control. And I think that that's interesting as well, where like, again, you see where that character, how that character is treated by Luminan and how, Oh yeah. 
where that kind of goes, I think is, 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 is fascinating in itself. Because again, it's like, you know, you're, you're, everybody in some way or another in this company is expendable, you know? Mm-hmm. And, well, that's and just, I, that's a great commentary again. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, do you have a theory? Like, I don't know how spoilery we want to get on this. Everyone should, um, watch severance, but like, I have some theories of what's going on or who Lumen is. And like, maybe we'll talk about it off air because like, I, I was just putting thoughts together the other day and maybe other people have put these thoughts together too, but there's something with the, it all being in the basement and then there being an even lower basement. Um, you know, and I hate to always go into the, you know, the hell or purgatory kind of thing. Cause I know people that was their ongoing theory with lost for the longest time, but like there's some interesting stuff there of selling yourself, your soul to the devil and it being hell and stuff like that. And I mean, I think it's very clear of work, work is hell essentially yeah. like an office is hell and that's kind of what the show is going for but i and don't what a know what company expects of its employee right yeah. like you your 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 life is your work to a, an extent with you know at least yeah. half of the character and it, I, the la- again the last episode does bring up more questions though in terms of why mark uh the adam scott character is working for the company in terms of like why the company wanted him to work there and like what is revealed that maybe is the one thing I wasn't like that does feel like the most kind of like obvious moment where he has a certain photo and like the way that they reveal what's in the photo it's kind of like okay like you like it's supposed to be like a big shock moment but it doesn't really work because yeah it's just it, you're just obscuring something and we already they already know right i think it works better at the end I, of the the series like when he's going to tell somebody else something about that photo or that image yes but, rather than him figuring it out but yeah but like when he's putting it, it back together and like his thumb is like in obscuring the yeah image, totally kind of like there's a couple moments yeah. like that that are that kind of and even that twist I, I didn't call the exact twist. Um, I think Nevis did actually, but um, I could kind of see something like those are the kind of, and I like twisty kind of bullshitty stuff like that in TV. So I'm kind of fine with it, but um, yeah, I'm thinking really, about belly buttons though, as well with the innies and outies. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, just all around a fantastic show, even with some of those criticisms of like, that's just TV stuff that I just don't always buy into, but like, I think I just got to get past that and understand that that's how a lot of TV shows work is they, they need to hook you for the next episode and they need to hook you for the next season. So um, you're not always going to get a completely tightly wound story. That's going to lead seeds for the next season. Although that's how a lot of TV shows work as well, but um, fair warning, it does just end and give you big cliffhangers like that and doesn't really complete or solve anything like you do get answers so I, i'm not but you also like, kind of know that it's going to leave you yeah. hanging like by yeah. the time you've you've watched the first eight episodes you realize okay like we're gonna end in a way that's going to just be so anxiety inducing and like you need to know what's going to happen with these characters in this storyline and, and and i haven't read anything about the the show's creators or what their intent is with the series overall but i do hope that they have at least you know, an exit strategy, like even if not everything is completely sort of like bridged together yet, but at least they have an idea of where they want the show to go because 
it does feel like, you know, we talked about this with Yellow Jackets, where they're like, if this was a mini series and they, and it was, you know, like nine, 10 episodes, 13 altogether, I think that like you could convey and do exactly what they're probably going to do over the course of two to five, six, who knows how many seasons in total that what they're doing, you know, with, if it were a mini series, like I think yeah. it could work either way. Um, yeah. But it, it still is, it still is good. It's just that it's also like Barry where it's like, you know, like when are we going to, I think they're, they're going soon into production or if they aren't already in for season two, but it's like, okay, well, when is season two going to be available? Right. Like even with the after party, which is another show on Apple TV plus that is awesome. Like I, I never felt like with that, it's like, you know, it's been announced for season two, but like it told a full story in that f- first season. I love the maze of the office as well. Like building that as a maze is awesome too. Um, but yeah, I like Milchick quite a bit as well. I like that one line yeah. he has where, where PD is now gone and Mark is taking over his job and Milchick is like, Oh, it's a real shame. I was really rooting for your, uh, Mark and, and PD's office friendship. It was my yeah. favorite. <laughs> like stuff like that. That is just manipulative bullshit too. But it's also your, kind of a commentary like, on like, yeah. you know, the, like the office dynamic of characters on shows. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, these, these, the, 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 the friendship between these characters is the best or the office romance between these characters is the most interesting, you know, like, again, mm-hmm. like even look at like the office, whether it be the British or the American version and like, you know, the mundanity of having to go into work and, you know, coming home and, and, and the reasoning I think for why Mark is doing what he's doing, there is, a logistical understanding of like, okay, like I get why he would do what he did. I think he was in a place where he was manipulated. I think every character is given a good reason of why I, we don't know everyone's backstories, but like what we do get out of there, I I think it's, it's an interesting kind of thing because it brings up interesting questions when you talk about like, would you do it? And, I think now having the context of seeing this show, you probably would go no. Um, but I think before knowing how they're treated in this show, it sounds like an enticing thing, right? Like even though it's an invasive surgery and and, and things like that. But if you're like, if you could separate your conscience and like into basically you two different things and just go to sleep and you wake up and you're done work and you get a paycheck every two weeks. I'm like, that is really enticing right like if you could get a bonus uh gifts gift certificate my headphones go again oh can you hear me yep they did um oh they did and you get a bonus gift uh certificate to go to pips if uh you know you find out that you've been injured in any way whatsoever so yeah there is something kind of funny about uh the the dark humor of the world and like again what you know the goals are or what you're building to or the office perks of things so Matt's trying to fix uh, his headphones at the moment, but uh, yeah, it is a worthwhile show. And I think that it's, I'm back. yeah, I was just saying that, uh, you know, like the office perks as well of getting like a Pips gifts card or things like that. Yeah. Where the company feels like, okay, we, we've covered they did something like, wrong here. I'll yeah. give you a gift card to, I literally, I have a story. I shouldn't say it, but like there's, I had someone offer, be like, I'm sorry I did that uh here's a starbucks gift card and i'm like are you fucking kidding me i'm like when i like anyways i I won't get into that but great show um everyone uh should check it out it's fantastic um and then the other thing 
I've been watching is Better Call Saul. They did a two and a half hour premiere on um, last Monday, which in my opinion, a little too much. I just, I, cause Better Call Saul is still on AMC um, in its final season. Um, I think it's fantastic. Um, a wonderful follow-up the perfect way to do a prequel to something um, was again, but it's been off for a while as well. Um, it finally came back and I forgot AMC has commercials. So if you watch it live, um, it's still a network that has commercials and I'm so not used to that. Um, and that's why it was like two one hour episodes with commercials is two and a half hours. And I just felt exhausted by the end of it. Cause it is also a, a, a very character driven um, slow show at times. So I found myself drifting and better call Saul is one of those shows that I almost feel like I, it works better in binging for me, or at least a couple episodes, just cause I um, can sit down and get more of it. Cause it is slow moving, even though I just said two and a half hours is a lot. Um, but I feel like when you control it with no commercials, weirdly TV feels different than when you're sitting there and taking a break every couple minutes to watch a couple minutes of commercials. So really enjoyed it. And I like it's very in, intriguing to see where they're kind of leading it into Breaking Bad. And I obviously think Bob Odenkirk's fantastic. And I think that show is almost lived up to as good as what Breaking Bad was in a very different way. Um, and I know Breaking Bad was never your thing, really, Eric. But um, I'm I'm really enjoying it as um, as a, 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 a the perfect way to show how a, a a prequel to something, even though you kind of know what's going to happen, um, can still be intense and um, and and reveal a lot without being retconny and just give you more depth to a character. And I think it's really done that with the Saul Goodman character that you didn't necessarily think you needed five seasons of a TV show to get his backstory, but it, it was great. So I don't have much more to say, but um, a, a pretty good premiere that I think I would have been okay with just the one hour. <laughs> right. Um, so it's right yeah. up there with uh, Frasier. Better Call Saul and Frasier as spinoff series that have become their own things. <laughs> That's true, actually. Um, Even though Frasier's not a prequel series, it's a spinoff of both Wings and Cheers. It's not a sequel series, even though it does take place after those other series, right? Yeah. But it's a spinoff. But again, spinoffs can be successful. This being... Not Joey, different. (laughs) God, remember they tried that? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, The other thing, if you don't mind me bringing it up, Eric, I haven't finished watching it, but I still need to bring it up is I watched three quarters of Moonfall. (laughs) And you might go, Matt, why didn't you finish Moonfall? Matt, I was sick Um, in bed, uh, dying, and I was able to finish the whole thing. (laughs) Well, to be fair, um, Nevis fell asleep, not because she uh, didn't enjoy the movie. She's a big disaster movie fan. She's a big Roland Emmerich fan. Um, Sometimes we start a movie a little too late, to moonfall over two hours oh god um, it's too um long. it is don't get me wrong um and you know i like to you know when she falls asleep i i go okay we're watching this movie together i'm not gonna finish it uh i will turn it off and we'll we'll finish it later and we just got busy with wedding stuff and we haven't gotten back to it but what i watched of moonfall i had a blast <laughs> I I laughed so hard throughout the first hour and 45 minutes that I watched. I think I have like 20 minutes left or, or 30 minutes left. I got to the big reveal 
if that makes sense. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. where we stopped because I, sometimes I'll let, when Nevis falls asleep, I'll go, you, you awake? And she goes, yeah, I'm awake. And I'm like, yeah, you're not awake. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm going to stop it because you definitely, you're missing some key information that I feel like we're going to have to go back and re rewatch. I can't just explain it to you. Cause like it, uh, it's better to be, you know, experienced. Um, but I got Are to that big twist <laughs> and I just, I had such a blast just laughing at this movie. It, it is like you said, it's every role in ever Emmerich movie ever. Um, they're all the same, but just getting that in 2022 and just how absolutely stupid the entire thing is and how much it seems like, I couldn't tell if they're in on the joke or if there's a joke at all, or if everyone's completely genuine. And that's the magic of these movies to me, because I'm like, it almost feels like everyone's sincere, but like, it's almost got that fast and the furious level of like, they've embraced what those movies are, where I don't think any of the Roland Emmerich movies have, but I'm still enjoying them on a similar level where I'm like, it's the sincerity of all of this that makes it kind of hilarious. And I just like, I laughed so hard throughout the first hour and 45 minutes. It's so stupid. It looks awful at times. Like oh, the green screen it is some is of the like, worst CGI yeah, yeah. I think I've seen. Like, this is like that car asylum chase, level that car CGI. chase is awful. The gravity car chase is so bad that I couldn't stop laughing at it. And like, you see, it seems like they spent all the money on the oh, especially when characters are monster. hopping, right? Oh, like when dude, you have people so jumping in the in the in the no gravity sequences. Yeah, oh, it's and then the car gravity sequence is the one that stuck out. Like we made fun of the moon knight cg for looking bad this looks 10 times worse than the moon knight car yeah. cg looked like and um it seems like they spent all the money on what the you know the the smoke monster from lost like it, it feels like they spent all the money on that thing and they're like the rest of it doesn't matter and even then, that like, reveal is amazing where they have the the one rocket go up to the moon and it's like we gotta go back to the moon and oh like God, they, the when they reveal that it's this ai intelligence and you're just kind of like because <laughs> of so course much. it is <laughs> i wrote he, so many lines down that like part of me why i think they're in on the joke fuck the moon on the <laughs> side of the yeah the graffiti i'm like that they're in on the joke like they have but then to there's be in stuff on the joke. in it that i do feel like is almost like it's trying either to be provocative or it's sides like so you have the the um the one character who's kind of like the, you know, goofy sidekick who's obnoxious from Game of Thrones. And he has this line, like, what would Elon do? Yeah, that like, dude, I had a theory of that. It almost seems like Elon Musk said, if you want to use SpaceX in the movie, you have to say I'm amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the kind of like ego. He now owns Twitter. Like, so yeah. God damn it. Fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> that line, um, where he talks about how much like he loves Elon Musk and there's this space as X logo. Um, and you know, there's the NASA and they kind of poke fun at NASA and stuff too, but NASA will license out its logo to anything as well. But like, um, the Elon stuff stuck out like a sore thumb that it seemed like something that was very forced by, Hey, if you want to use that in the movie, you have to say how amazing Elon Musk is, um, which almost adds to it, uh, to me of being hilarious. Um, 
the mounting moon terror is the funniest sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like I just, it, the guy being like, you read my blog and like all of this, there's just, I'm like, I cannot believe like how, how bad this movie is. Um, on such Patrick a large, Wilson is terrible on such He's a large so scale. It has every cliche uh, from every, you know, disaster movie. It almost seems like it's a, a parody film. Like it almost seems like, you know, they made that movie called disaster movie. Yeah. That, um, it almost seems like one of those, but done very seriously where I'm like, it feels like not another teen movie or, or something like that, where like everything they throw in, of like, you know, him being thrown under the spaceship, uh, him, I mean that in a thrown under the bus way, uh, and like his son being in trouble, um, you know, the kids, uh, the, you know, the annoying guy from Game of Thrones, his mom, like having, um, like Alzheimer's, dementia, which, and which dementia. is basically like, like the scene in, um, uh, the day after tomorrow where they have to get the kid who has cancer yes, out of that. It's all manipulative, hospital. like awful, like kind of gross. But then I'm like, I shouldn't be laughing at this because this is something people actually experience and is an awful thing for a family and a person to go through. Right, but the and way then, that like, this is written and who is, it's written by is like it makes it hilarious. Robots. Yes, it like, makes this is it like hilarious. an algorithm. Like this is yeah. literally like you took like. You said to an, you literally said to an AI unit, write me a disaster movie, but only use the tropes that are found in Roland Emmerich films. Because there's one thing that I do find very weird about um, Roland Emmerich movies when it comes to relationships between characters. He seems to have this thing where you have characters that are either married or a couple that have a falling out based on something that happens in one of the two characters career that is so devastating that they completely you know divorce or break yeah. up or it, what it have you fucks up the person's life so much that it fucks up their marriage and, and, and then yeah. you jump to years later and one of the two characters has moved on and has gotten remarried or is in a relationship again and that person's actually kind of a decent halfway good person but then they get killed off and then the 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 original husband or wife or whatever is back in the scene again, and that is basically just, the same seat. Like it's it's 2012 with with um, I mean, it's Amanda Peet and, and John Cusack's characters. But then that's what I mean. Those tropes, and then that's just kind of what makes the movie so funny. Like even like Patrick Wilson going and working on his fucking his his car and shit <laughs> like that. Like all of this stuff, I'm just like I could every scene. We're Charlie like, Plummer. Oh his God. son where there's oh my, like what no is that accent and what is connection? that accent why is he talking like that none of no one else in his family talks like that it's just like oh and my god i haven't i can't believe it's taken me this long to bring it up the de-aging in the first scene i'm like yeah. why why does everyone look like that it's only 10 years ago like it's not like it's they, made Halle, man. they made Halle berry look like a giant baby and i'm like why, why? and she looks like she looks great anyways i know you didn't need to do that like she barely no. looks different, but you made her look different. I'm like, if I Googled a picture of Halle Berry 10 years ago, I'm like, that's not what she looks like. Patrick Wilson, the same, like he has more, I guess he's more weathered on his face now, but they smooth everything out to make it just like it look. I'm just like, it looks like you take 
that like Russian face app that everyone was using like a little while ago and did that baby filter on people that just like made them look younger, but it looked like this uncanny Valley kind of weird thing. Like I couldn't right from the beginning. I'm like, I kept laughing. I'm like, why did they de-age them? (laughs) I'm like, there's no reason to it's 10 years ago. I'm like, they wouldn't look that much different. And even if you didn't age them, 10 years is not that big of a deal. Like they needed to make it like, so like this was 10 years ago and, um, it's just like, Oh my God. Like it's so funny. Donald Sutherland's cameo is amazing. I have never laughed so much. And, and like a character, like a character's exit has already been presented. It's like, yeah, I gotta, I've got to go to my desk and fucking. It's so funny, dude. And it's so bad. And like, that was the other thing. I don't know about you, but like I was watching this and, and in the third act, Patrick Wilson's giving out like these orders or like, narrating what they're remember doing. i haven't finished yet but no 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 this isn't this isn't spoiler for anything but his voice for some reason kept picking up on uh siri like like my phone and my watch and was it something he was saying that was similar to that or i don't know it, it was it was just picking or... up multiple times where it was like uh sorry i didn't hear what you said or uh i'll look into that and things like <laughs> Like every time he was talking, it was just ridiculous. And then also Barry and Oh, that Moonfall. happened to me once too, dude. I think like, I forget what he was saying, but that actually, I remember now lying in, in bed or something and it went off once, but anyways, keep going. And Sorry. also Barry and Moonfall sharing uh Toto, uh, by uh the song Africa. Africa. Yeah. 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 Or not. Sorry. Africa by Toto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Pena. Like I, I'm like, why does he have like, a whole like security team i'm like isn't he just like a car salesman (laughs) like yeah wasn't he just like a lexus like car maybe he owns a car dealership but like when they drive up to his like compound and there's all those like oh i think it's just a gated community i think that's what and they've all just taken up arms and just yeah because the the joke is is that one of them's name is karen great super yeah super funny uh that's the times where they're trying to be genuinely funny the movie's not funny and then when they're just not trying to be funny it's hilarious and anyways i still have to finish the last 40 minutes or so um so long and and i i was having a blast though it's one of those movies that like if you're in the right mood and you're and you buy into how spectacularly stupid it is um i think you can kind of have fun with it um and it does help if you're a little impaired as well i will say that yeah yeah in Um, canada it's available on amazon prime and it's one of those things where it's like i think dean devlin and roland emmerich need to get back together because apart they're terrible uh you know with dean devlin having made geostorm and then uh roland emmerich doing this but together they make geostorm is awful mediocre movies oh they're both bad they're both terrible and they're both like ridiculous in terms of like their plotting um it's just ugh. <sighs> moon i cannot believe it costs 150 million dollars <laughs> where did the money go <laughs> the special the cg is awful it's because so the money funny. is not on screen i'm telling you it's it is so funny it's so funny awful anyways greatest movie. i gotta go made. back to my desk and kill myself now <laughs> It takes itself so seriously, which is part of the fun. Oh my God. That's great. Um, 
Eric, we got some big trailers last week. Yes. One that we've been waiting for for a very long time. Uh, and Crimes a movie. Of the yeah, exactly. You want to start there? Or do you yeah. want to start? Yeah. Yeah, because that's the um, one we've been waiting for for a while now. Yeah, we did get so we got the 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 can announcement, which we will go over the movies in a second. Um, but from a trailer standpoint, yes, we did get our first teaser for David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, as well as the first trailer for Taika Waititi's Thor love and thunder which people have been waiting a very long time but i know you're very excited for crimes of the future what did you think of that first trailer it's a david cronenberg movie um i'm excited for some weird body horror modification and um probably a lot of uh polarizing opinions on the film as many of david cronenberg's movies are but again like it goes back to you know, him as a filmmaker and not only that, but someone who, you know, when you're describing a subgenre of horror, you call it Cronenbergian. I mean, even last year with T10, you know, that won the Palme d'Or, yeah. um, you know, like him making a movie, the last thing he did was mapped to the stars. And, you know, this might be his last film. I don't know. He's 79 and, and, you know, like he, doing this and it's not based on it's not an adaptation of the short film that he did in the 1970s also called crimes of the future this is a different storyline but you know from everything that we've seen and heard it definitely is a vision of what david cronenberg would think the future is so um, i'm just excited on that level of getting a new david cronenberg movie that is kind of playing with themes and ideas that have been throughout his entire career but going back to kind of like the science fiction horror elements that we saw in movies like rabid and shivers and uh the brood and things like that where you know which we haven't gotten in a little while right yeah because his 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 movies like his career has evolved i mean there's it's always been there and it still has been in movies like you know a history of violence and eastern promises but there was more of a kind of the, the genre that it was playing within within in those movies weren't necessarily just horror films or, you know, like, I mean, you just watched The Fly a couple of years ago with me for the first time. And like, you know, you look at that, like that's probably closer to what crimes is or, or existence um, yeah. even than, you know, what he did with, you know, uh, Maps to the Stars, Cosmopolis, um, you know, A Dangerous Method. Like he was trying to kind of go outside of his... Uh, wheelhouse a little bit was still incorporating um, elements and some of those movies worked better than others so it'll be interesting to see him kind of go back to tackle material that he's known for you know and Mm -hmm. will will he have something really interesting to say or will because like a lot of his stuff like starting from like videodrome was always kind of ahead of what people were thinking in like reality television and sensationalism and how we absorb um you know technology and so now i wonder if it will be i think you'll have that with body modifications right and this which yeah. I know his other movies have but like but i, I do wonder i do wonder though if stuff. like it'll be something like if it'll still be cutting edge like will it be something that's saying like okay well we're we've already kind of gotten there in terms of what what he's talking about in terms of commentary or will it be something that kind of is like oh the godfather of this genre still has something 
Yeah, the <laughs> we got the Rod Father with Adrian Lin, and we got the Bod Father. Yeah, Cronenberg. will we have something new and exciting to say about it all? Which you know, I'm I'm yeah. just hopeful that will you know. I mean, it's supposed to come out in June, so that's earlier um, than I thought. And yeah. um, yeah, for a guy who's not the biggest David Cronenberg guy, I don't dislike him. I just um, just never been someone that I've gone and like through his entire filmography, or, or I'm just a bad Canadian pretty much um but i've seen a good chunk of his movies and and i've seen you know more of his mainstream stuff his later stuff in his career right and then i've gone back and 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 looked at you know watch the fly with you i own videodrome on on criterion and um and things like that but um but you've you've seen his influence though i mean i mentioned t10 but you've seen his influence on other filmmakers. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I know his stuff. The last, yeah. you know, like 20, 30 odd years. I mean, oh, look absolutely. at something even yeah. like District 9, where you have the Charlotte Copley character transforming throughout that film and like the mutation of of human into something else. Yeah. I think yeah. he's one of those guys that's very well known <laughs> in Canada, very well known in from filmmakers, like who is a guy who maybe hasn't crossed into like, you know, at, he did. A history of violence and eastern promises which are obviously his two biggest movies well the think, fly right? as well and, was was and a the big fly was a big him. one because it dead was zone, fox yeah yeah i mean Stephen king adaptation yeah earlier and then he <laughs> came back i think with those later movies that i'm more familiar with and then jeremy um, irons also working with him in dead ringers and madam butterfly mm-hmm. when jeremy irons won the oscar for reversal of fortune the following year he thanked david cronenberg because it's awesome yeah. a, a reason why a lot of people thought he Jeremy Irons is very good in reversal of fortune but a, a lot of people thought that he should have been nominated and won for dead ringers and so that kind of helped him with reversal of yeah. fortune and That's so why I think he he even says that in the in the in the thank you speech and Cronenberg's such an interesting guy and a filmmaker because he's had those kind of you know like you said he I forget that those movies I I guess I feel like those movies are smaller than they were um, but I feel like, I guess he did have that time where he did a couple big, um, things that were still on the weird side of things, but were bigger. And then, um, I love a history of violence. Like I, I love, 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 love that movie. Um, and I'm excited for this. I, I don't know what to expect and I'm more excited for you. Um, the trailer, you know, obviously doesn't show much, just shows a little bit of that, you know, cyberpunky body modification things and i'm sure it'll be gross and weird and i like everyone involved like him teaming with vigo mortensen again is really exciting i i love kristen stewart as an actress i love leia sedu like so there's a lot of stuff going on that i think he's he's working with interesting people and and i think we've seen so little of it we just know that all those things you brought up are going to be kind of in the movie and um i think his stuff you know recently has this weird digitally look and I'm I'm gonna shit on Canadian stuff again, but it has. Well, you're talking, I think, specifically about like, Cosmopolis. Yeah, think- and and Maps of the Stars, even to an extent. I think his last couple things that uh, I've seen has this, and I see it a bit in this trailer that it worries me, where it has this kind of like, I don't know, this. It's not cheap, but it's this digital kind of look that I I don't. Do you remember the love? show Lex? Like, I don't know why I'm bringing yeah, this up, but it yeah. kind of looks a little bit like that, which yeah. was like this weird Canadian cult series from I think yeah. like the late nineties, early two thousands that showcase would sometimes play. And it kind of like the um, CGI and some of the art direction of it was kind of like very much post-production, but it was yeah. kind of like that cheaper side of, of CGI. And that's kind of what David Cronenberg has always been like that, where it's like 
his best stuff i think was in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s before like you know pre cg because it was all practical effects and even though some of those effects don't look real they're more provocative in yeah. their imagery than they are when and it the is stuff like, shot on film with practical effects more yeah interesting to me and and looks than green screen yeah and i just think it that throws me off a little bit um but I'm and then his son is also now working as a filmmaker, yeah. you know, with Antiviral yeah. and Possessor. And he Neon actually also him. has um, a movie coming out this year as well with Alexander Skarsgård, Infinity Pool. So, yeah. you know, both. So it's it's a good year for David, for, for Cronenberg fans in general. And I believe actually um, his daughter, Caitlin Cronenberg, who is a, a photographer, is making her first film. coming. That's out, awesome. So. Release them all. Triple feature. Love yeah. that. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued and I, and June is earlier than I expected and we'll, we'll hear more about it, uh, out of can. So, um, in May, so, which is, will it be booed like crash? We'll find out a couple weeks. So crash, man. crash played at can back in, in the mid nineties and Francis Ford Coppola was the head of the jury that year. He fucking hated the movie <laughs> and he made sure that it would not get any award. Um, and Bless now him. Crash is considered again like this uh, uh cult, you know, classic cult film, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and then the other big trailer, which is not saying that this one, you know, one very much your alley, one very much mine. I know you're still excited for this, but yeah, I mean Thor's um, not gonna fuck his hammer. Uh, which is never never say never, man. Maybe Gorg though. <laughs> so uh we got the first trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. Um, so we've been eagerly anticipating it because the movie, it's the shortest span between a trailer and a, uh, and a movie, uh, from Marvel that we uh, have ever gotten. So, um, we got the Thor love and thunder trailer. Um, and I thought it looked great. Looks like more Thor Ragnarok, but even kind of, uh, going even further into the kind of, you know, 80s kind of vibe that that movie brought on, leaning into the comedy. Um, we don't get any of Gore the God Butcher the villain, so it's very much like a teaser and a vibe trailer for me that leans heavily into the music and the colors and the um, and the comedy and, and, and things like that. And just, uh, it's interesting being the first solo Marvel movie that's gone to four films. Um, and I think Thor's gone through a lot through the whole Infinity Saga and 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 I love that Hemsworth is sticking with this character because it finally found its vibe in Ragnarok, I found. So uh, I'm pumped for this. I, I love the use of Sweet Child of Mine. I love the going through the phases of Thor when he was younger into now. Him with the Guardians, the retiring angle. More Korg is always better for me. Um, you see the stuff on New Asgard kind of going through turmoil, probably trying to be involved as a as a country and, and being involved in the uh, you see Meek in a nice business suit as the as as uh, Valkyrie's uh, secretary. And like, I don't know, I'm just I'm loving everything I'm seeing so far. And and then you get Natalie Portman as as uh, the mighty Thor at the end. And, and she looks which is so basically old. like Doc Ock at the end of the No Way Home trailer. Yeah, that teaser. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. I it, it's one of those things where it's like I'm sure it's going to be fun. I'm sure it'll be an enjoyable, but I don't there's just something right now where like I'm kind of burnt out on Taika Waititi a little bit. I think um, a lot of people are kind of feeling that a little bit. Where like I I like the guy a lot and and I think he is a very creative personality and 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 has something to contribute, but at the same time he I think like 
whether it's him or whether it's the industry that's given him maybe too much credibility in in his work like like i really want to rewatch jojo rabbit because i just remember like just thinking it was okay at -hmm. best and like some people are like oh this is like you know revolutionary and like but then there are other people who fucking hate that movie too and i I like his i like a lot of his earlier stuff like i i think boy is his best film and i really like um you know parts of of hunt for the wilder people and and you know what we do in the shadows which i think that the show is also really well done um but there's just something about him where like it just kind of feels like less is more and even though he's only really directing this i mean yeah he's playing court but like there's just something about like his performance like last year even in like free guy that just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way and like i just kind of feel like again like we're gonna get this and we're probably gonna get you know next goal wins this year as well and um it's yeah it just kind of feels like uh, yeah i'm a little bit burnt out on him right now so interesting yeah I, i i get that um I'm, I'm more burnt out by him as a personality. That's what um, I mean for the most part. Like not just necessarily like, as a filmmaker. Cause I feel like he's still really like the vibe he brought to Thor and what he brought to Thor. I think I still find his comedy very, very funny. His sense of humor, very funny. Um, and I think he's, he's got a good handle on this version of this character. And I think bringing in, you know, the mighty Thor character and that storyline and, and where they're putting Thor in this, I think is a really cool angle. I, I totally understand his social media personality, you know, his, you know, as he got bigger and more of a, a, a known name, he started to show up everywhere. And um, I think he can be a bit grating on people. And I totally understand that. Um, uh, but when it comes to you know Thor and 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 the character and and Korg, I, I think is hilarious. Like, and I like him and stuff like that. Like, I agree with you with Free Guy and him popping up in different things. I'm like, um, I think is awful. But um, I, I liked Jojo Rabbit enough. I've had no real desire to rewatch it, and I haven't really thought about it much. But um, I like his version of Thor and, and it's just kind of reiterated that I like that. It's just the goofy metal vibes of it. And uh, I'm kind of all in, I'm, I'm pumped for it. Yeah. I mean, like I think the best stuff in the trailer is some of the kind of references and 80 homages to things like John Carpenter's big trouble in little China and, and, yeah. <laughs> and what have you. Or and Thor like, and babysitter's club. Yeah. Oh, sorry, and, babysitter's and, club. No, wait, babysitter adventures um, in babysitting. What was that movie? I watched. In my, yeah, adventures uh, in babysitting. In ba- adventures in babysitting. I said, yeah, with Elizabeth so. Shue. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think like that stuff will be fun. And and I and I think the other thing as well, maybe I'm just not the biggest fan of is like it, it does. It doesn't look bad per se, but it is very much green screened and yeah. like everything kind of does have. And I've always had that problem with the Thor movies where yeah, Ragnarok. Everything, even I'm like it, it looks bad yeah. at times. Yeah. The facade of everything. Yeah. I think it does have that kind of 2D on a 3D background or or vice versa look to it. Because there's a bunch of stuff in Thor Ragnarok. I remember because I've seen it so many times that I'm like, this this looks a bit rough when it comes to like Hela in front of Asgard and and all of that stuff. So I totally see like we see Olympus in this. You see Russell Crowe from behind as as Zeus and um, you're going to get 
I think a lot of Olympus, which will give you those, you know, they needed a place to kind of replace Asgard from a visual standpoint. So Olympus will be that spot. Um, Gerard Butler should be playing Zeus. Yeah. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's a great gag there somewhere. Yeah. Um, I, so I get what you're saying. I think they, this is the first MCU movie, if I'm not mistaken, to use that Mandalorian technology of like that, um, I forget what they call it, but that kind of dome thing from Lucasfilm where they kind of have the the 3D background that moves with the camera to give you more accurate lighting. And I'm not saying obviously those shots of Olympus and things like that are all still CG and even those backgrounds that they use. I'm curious to see if that will feel more immersive or look better Um, um, because I think I I do really love that technology and I think it's really cool and I, I like it more than green screen, but um yeah i'm just ready to have fun you know and and laugh and you know i'm sure it'll get serious because the gore the god butcher character and even all the stuff thor's gone through like i think it'll um those movies have a fun vibe but he's still gone through some heavy shit and um i think there's a good balance there but i i'm i'm surprised you don't see christian bale in it and i wonder if they're still trying to nail down the look or um, i think it maybe has to do with plot i think that there's stuff in probably hit that story that will probably give away certain things so it's almost like yeah, you even had the moon night theory right like uh, well i mean he's i mean they're introducing god characters in you know moon knight right now and it kind of feels like okay well this is this is you know obviously dr strange is coming up first but in terms of like things that would connect almost directly or there should be it's there should probably be at least some reference to you know the, the, those characters or or just the greater scale because again like if you're having a god killer come in and like wipe out half of them and like go after thor like it feels like Conchu would be one of those characters that would be on a hit list so yeah it could be cool like imagine christian bale showing up in one of the like in the finale like kind of what um uh what's his name is kang uh, jonathan major showed up at the end of uh of loki like um could be cool. I don't know if you would get Christian Bale for one episode of, um, but maybe that's part of the deal that he made, but um, to set up uh, Love and Thunder. But um, I just liked it as a vibe check. And I'm curious to see how they bring back some of the other characters and how everyone's involved. All the Guardian stuff, like it doesn't seem like they'll be in it that much. It seems like a first act kind of thing of like, well, maybe just... first and third, maybe they come back mm-hmm. into the fight in the final act when like Thor needs to like work with a team of people. And so you'll have the mighty Thor, you'll have Valkyrie, you'll have Korg, Guardians. and then they come in and kind of help him out. Yeah, I could see that. I'm pumped though. Yeah. I, I get everything you're saying about Taika, but um, I, uh, I, I just like what he brought with Ragnarok and it's one of my favorite MCU movies and I'm ready for more of that. So I'm pumped. Um, and then Ms. Marvel as well is going to be um, starting in June, right? So they, yeah, we're getting that soon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We have, we not recorded since they announced that, but nope. Like early yeah. June for Ms. Marvel. Um, we get in two episodes of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, um, is, but is that going to screen premiere? for press? Cause I heard that it's not. Obi-Wan, you heard that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's it's so I mean, we're just in an interesting spot with spoilers and different things like that, where you know, press can be trusted because of embargoes, but then they also can't because some people break them. And like, you know, you can tell everyone, hey, this is embargoed, you can't talk about it until this time. 
but if you show people stuff before it's shown to like a mass audience you're still risking someone spoiling stuff so like we're in an interesting spot we're seeing doctor strange the same time as the la premiere because they didn't want anyone seeing it beforehand <laughs> so that's interesting with obi-wan maybe they're not screening the episodes um moon Knight, we got four episodes though so it's like it's a little bit all over the place right but um mm. like we're finally caught up with everyone on moon Knight. we had to wait a month but like we're at a point where now we have not seen those last two episodes everyone's caught up with us um everyone got the big twist in the last episode so um that i think that didn't really leak all that much i'm sure it was on some reddit posts and stuff like that for the people who are looking for spoilers but it wasn't like and i guess it was big enough where it was still like you still had to be following the show to really understand what that twist was like um where i don't think you could have spoiled it you could have sort of spoiled that but um i'm surprised they gave us the four episodes and trusted everyone for that not to leak to everyone but um yeah, man. I don't know. I'm I'm pumped. There's a lot of stuff coming out in the next. It feels like I forget that we're entering May and we have Doctor Strange next week. So yeah, I mean, do do we have any Marvel stuff that's coming out in in like the second half of the year? Like, is it is it is it all front loaded this year? No, we have. Um, well, we were supposed to get Black Panther too. Remember, <laughs> but right. like, I don't know because it's November, right? Yeah. And that was, and then we're supposed to get She-Hulk, right? Later this year. Um, I don't know movie-wise. I mean, CinemaCon this week. So we might hear some stuff at the Disney presentation, right? Right. We might not get footage or anything, but that's where the Black Panther footage first premiered with CinemaCon. I remember that. And, um, And then we saw it much later in the year, but... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they kind of uh, show this week. If maybe they have Kevin Feige come out and talk about it, but um, I'm not entirely sure. What the hell is that noise? Is this in my headphones again? No, that what would probably be uh, what the sink. Someone's oh, using a sink at your yeah. house. Yeah, or mine. Okay, <laughs> I'm like, what is that noise? This episode, all the technical stuff. Um, and then this year we're supposed to get, yeah, Black Panther's the next thing. And then the Marvels in February. Yeah. Some people had a theory that those might swap because the Marvels might be done or Black Panther might have more work. Well, if Miss Marvel is also coming out in June, right? So. Yeah. Um, and then on the TV front, yeah, you have She-Hulk. You have that Michael Giacchino Halloween special with um, – uh gail garcia barnell right and werewolf then, at night were, yeah werewolf by night by night and, and that also you, connects to moon Knight as well because that's where moon Knight first made his debut and then you have guardians holiday special this year as well as uh we might get secret invasion so and blade's know. supposed to shoot this summer i think I yeah guess. right yeah so We'll see, but Thor looks fun, so we uh, we'll see on that point. Any other trailers that we missed or no? Probably I think not. those, those are, the are the big two. Um, but other than that, I can't think of anything. I mean, like I'm sure we'll get a lot of stuff this week with CinemaCon happening. So, um, yes, and I, I was gonna do that ranking, but I think we've kind of 
we probably need to do that on another show. We're already an hour and 20 minutes in where we got it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I think the best experience is just seeing a movie in a theater. Um, ultimately, I want to get into the nitty gritty. I agree with you there. I think we all agree with that. And so I'm going to save it for another episode or maybe a smaller when there's not so much other shit we have to talk about and, and, and things like that. Cause I would love, like, I agree with you, obviously going to the movies is the best way, but I feel like there's so many different ways you can kind of see a movie that I think it would be interesting to kind of rank them and and talk about each one and what is a you know actually a good one, what is better than others. Like can even get it down to 35 mil versus digital versus IMAX digital versus Limax versus um IMAX film versus 40X versus VIP versus and the pros and cons of each one. So maybe we'll save that for another episode um, because I still want to talk about the can lineup. And I think that's yeah. the, there's a couple big pieces of news that I want to talk about before we wrap and we'll save that big topic for uh, another episode. Well, maybe uh, for the next episode, if we're going to do like more cinema con coverage. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Cause that, again, we should say like in an hour is the Sony I'm dating this, but like by the time you listen to this, the first Sony presentation is probably already over so we're already kind of behind and if sony drops spider-man news tonight if they drop a trailer for spider-verse crap yeah like and not like into the spider-verse but which got delayed morbius Um, 2 so we won't see anything for from spider-verse probably at 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 least the animated spider-verse at this presentation because it they did all their delays i think you might because uh christopher miller tweeted that he was going to uh la or las vegas pardon me yeah, but that would be weird because unless it when did it get punted to? Like, Next year. Yeah, but when? Um, across the Spider Verse, I'll look it up. But um, anyways, we'll cover all the CinemaCon stuff and then maybe talk about our ranking of going to the cinema, um, cinema. on the next episode, June second. So you're still gonna get another CinemaCon before that, but maybe they will show show footage or something or maybe they're gonna like talk about like what they're you know what they're doing with it now maybe there's something bigger to like obviously they need time to finish things but like having it as two parts yeah you know um so eric can yes yes uh what do you think about the lineup what are your highlights i'm curious i'm excited i mean like it it does seem to be uh, a24 uh, adjacent in the competitive and non-competitive fields you have uh the new kelly reichardt movie you have an, another claire denis film she has two movies coming out this year um you have uh ruben Oslin's triangle of sadness which i think uh, both of us are very much looking yeah. forward to um it, it's it's interesting just because like again you look at this this crop of films you know there's there's a conversation to be had about, you know, parody when it comes to how many women are in competition versus not. And then how many films are just in general in competition this year. And it does seem like there is quite a few movies that are um, missing in in a lot of ways. And whether that's because they're not done yet or they're waiting until the fall festival season, you know, you, you have uh, Luca Guadagnino's film, which I, I think is rumored to be a Venice uh, premiere. You know, there's, there's a number of movies where it was like, Oh, I like, I thought that this is where, you know, it would have its start. And then like, also now you have, 
all these studios looking for, you know, the next parasite in, in a lot of ways, the, the film that will not only win a Palme d'Or, but could also be a best picture Oscar winner. And so, you know, the films that are available for distribution, something like, you know, triangle of sadness, um, you know, you could have distributors looking at it at that way. And like, what are the companies that are going to buy those movies? And, and, you know, a 24 seems to have a pretty much full, lineup from now until like next year but then you know like you have amazon and netflix and apple that are still looking for stuff and are eager enough to buy certain films as well so there's that angle and then there's just on top of that like what's going to translate i mean like the 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 other thing that's kind of interesting right now is that there's still no jury announced for, for yeah, that Anne, is weird. Is... Isn't there a rumor that it was going to be uh, Asgard Farhadi, but then the legal trouble? Like, yeah, well, the there's the, the whole jury. plagiarism thing yeah. with with a with a hero. Um, but also, a part of it is to do with like a lot of productions are are going on from now until June, July. So a lot of people aren't aren't available to be on this jury, right? And it takes time to be on the jury. But usually, it's like okay, well, we have, you know, the head of the, the jury's announced even before um, the, the film selection yeah. is is announced. And so that is, I think, kind of interesting that they don't have that out yet. And like the twist, know, how... it's going to be a fan vote this year. Oh, yeah. And it'll be a Zack Snyder movie that wins the Palme d'Or. Um, yeah. So I think like that stuff is kind of interesting. Like there's a couple other movies that I'm curious about. The director of border has a movie called Holy Spider, which I'm, I'm curious about. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that is playing, you know, within the main competition, but then there's stuff that's also kind of there to kind of, you know, create kind of just interest in a kind of um general sense you have top gun maverick playing uh you know at the at the fest you have alex garland's men playing at the fest and 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 movies like that so there is the commercial angle as as well and you know in the next couple of weeks you're probably going to see a lot of um you know, news coverage focusing on, uh, you know, package deals for potential projects and like, okay, well this, you know, person has this movie in the works and, you know, we're taking it to the, the marketing side or the, um, you know, the, the industry side of things. Cause that's also another big part of can is that you have, you know, the, the meetings and you show a little bit of footage or you show like a, here's what the premise of our movie is. Or, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. looking for funding and that's yeah. kind of where that's going to be, you know, like it, it's, it's fun for cinephiles specifically because it's almost like that's the, the cinema conversion of, of, of you know, art, the art house, house world. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bong Joon-ho has a new movie and it got funded. Yeah. Um, yeah, although I think Bong Joon Ho is now working with Warner Brothers for his next film, sure. so yeah, he doesn't which have makes to worry sense. about that. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I don't have much to add. Like you're more of that the 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 can guy than I am, and I haven't super paid attention to it. But I'm excited to um, much like CinemaCon from the more again very weirdly similar but different like reasons why I'm excited is like we're not at either of them. One is very commercial, and like one is you know, leans art house and leans to cinema. So like, I'm just excited to see the reactions both from the cinema con, uh, uh, presentations and the can, 
uh, film festival, whether it's the deals that are made or the movies that premiere, because like it's that first kind of taste of what you're going to get for the rest of the year, I think. Right. Like some things yeah. come out as early enough as like crimes of our future of the future that come out in June. But then there'll be a lot of stuff that plays TIFF and TIFF also had a bunch of announcements that they're going back to full capacity at all the venues and it'll be a normal festival again. There's going to be a festival booklet and or program there's going to be a new venue uh which is still on king street so basically they're taking over the royal alexander i think is the new one with the princess of wales and roy thompson hall so basically every theater on king street is now a tiff theater because uh, the royal alexander was the only one that they didn't really use which they will now be using for premieres and stuff so i love that it's another kind of theater venue that kind of classic looks like princess of wales or or uh, Elgin and Winter Garden and stuff like that. So Elgin and Winter Garden are the only ones that I guess they're going back to Ryerson as well. So those are still down on Young Street uh, ish area, but a lot of stuff on King Street um, pumped for that as well. And then Cannes is always that place where we start to kind of hear about those movies that might get released in September, October, November, December that we might see show up at TIFF. So that excites me a lot. Um, on the other news front, we got a couple other things. We got the Netflix. We don't need to go deep into this because I think it's something we've talked about, but Eric, my predictions looking better than ever. <laughs> Remember when I, I was the first person who was like, if anyone's going to have trouble, we've had done streaming wars episodes and, and, and things like that. And you guys can go back and probably find them. It's probably the title of them, or I don't know what the hell episode we talked about all this stuff. We talked about it weekly almost, but like the Netflix, um, quarterly results and in, in stockholders meeting happened and it people seem to be kind of you know scared a little bit because they they lost subscribers i think it was either for the first time ever or the second quarter in a row they're struggling to at least in in the americas and in a lot of their territories they're losing members instead of gaining them and, um, you know, people are worried a bit for them. And I, I think it's interesting. They're going to lower their cost of spending on on original programming. They're going to uh, uh, cut down on password sharing. That's their solution is like everyone should have their own account. Everyone should pay $22 a month instead of you sharing it with your family. And I'm like, uh, it's it's it, they're in an interesting spot. And just I'm going to find that episode one day. And I'm going to go, I said it first, everyone. It's out of all of the streamers, they were the first out of the gate. Everyone learned from them. And, you know, they they hit their market cap so fast because they were the only one there that they have nowhere to go but down. And I can see, I can see them either, I, I, I never think, I don't think Netflix will ever go under or anything like that, but I could see a huge acquisition one day where you see an Apple or you see an Amazon because they have so much money and they have so many other places where they can make money go, we're going to buy you now and they'll buy Netflix. That's like my Elon Musk buying Twitter. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up again. It's miserable, but that's exactly it, dude. It's just like, I could see them one day fumbling a bit more. Um, and ironically being bought by, Apple is my prediction. I think Apple will buy Netflix in the next 10 years. 
That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of I, I know exactly. I mean, you have talked about it before. I, I don't know if I'll call you a prophet or anything, but like I think like the writing was on the wall where, you know, they only had that one revenue stream where Amazon and Apple and even Disney to a certain extent. It Disney for all, sure. Yeah. It wasn't all about just the movies and television. They had they're a multimedia corporation and then with you know amazon you know shipping goods and things like that are kind of like their main drive and then with apple it's about the technology so you know like this was just kind of like you know uh uh the, them moonlighting basically like it's just them everyone like learned from like them. a side thing yeah <laughs> and, and 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 again the, you know netflix prospered because they didn't have any competition and now with all of these you know smaller and larger um, streaming services available that have taken, you know, a, a play-by-play from Netflix. There's, there's not a lot of room for where Netflix is going to go. If you, if you have Netflix or if you are a subscriber, you're a subscriber. They're not going to get any more people. Like, I don't know how you can get more people unless you do the crackdown on, you and know, that's just going to piss more people things. off. And, oh, and that's going to deter the, people to cancel their subscriptions that they already it, have. So and they keep raising prices more. too, right? Yeah. So it's I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like Netflix is in a lose lose situation no matter what. And then on top of that, like even just their spending on award stuff, like it's 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 obscene without being smart. It's not very practical. And when they buy a lot of this stuff and then they you know distribute it they don't really advertise everything fairly. Like they don't like there's stuff that they have that I think is good. And that could have reached an audience and could have gotten more people watching, you know, whether it be five minutes or the whole thing, but they don't know how to really, you know, market their stuff properly. Like they, they'll market the big things, obviously, or something kind of trash. Sort of, but yeah. Yeah. They'll, but they bury a lot of stuff. It was always quantity over quality in my opinion like it was always that and that's just not a great strategy and you put it perfectly of like all these other places they why i think if netflix ever gets purchased it's not for their content it because they have they've put out some great shows a couple of them and like it's just like and i love cobra kai it's one of my favorite things ever even though they picked that up from sony uh, on another network and youtube like that and youtube YouTube, yeah. yeah Um, I just, I think if anyone purchases them, it's for their subscriber base, right? Like if anyone buys them, it's because they have so many people subscribed already where if they bought them and folded it into Apple TV plus Apple TV plus now has all those people, which then they can use to market their very expensive computers and iPhones and, um, you know, software and hardware that they sell, right? And then Amazon, and it cuts another, out the competition. Yeah, right? and yes, and that as well. And then Amazon, same reason. They have reasons to want that. Uh, you know, want to gain a subscriber base. Where Netflix, like you said, it's Netflix, right? Like they're not going to start selling goods, or they're not going to start selling a Netflix computer or box to stream your stuff on. Like their thing was to be everywhere have content for everyone, even if they didn't really have an identity because of that. And I don't think like, I think it is too early to say rest in peace, Netflix, because obviously they have still what 200 million subscribers or something like it's actually ridiculous still. But 
I think it's, you look a lot like at, at Facebook or meta or whatever you want to call it, right? Like Facebook still has the most, the highest user base of any social media platform, still one of the biggest, but is it really relevant anymore? Like they have Instagram, which I think is relevant to them still, which is what's keeping them kind of, you know, and they do a lot of other things. And, but I, I really don't think Facebook is the thing keeping meta and they want to get into metaverse stuff. And that's a whole other can of worms, but like, that's them trying to survive by going into metaverse stuff and like and I don't spending know what, money that is unnecessary too. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and I don't know what Netflix's solution. Cause if you just start cracking down on passwords, people are going to go, you know what? I was already thinking that $22 a month is too much. It definitely is now. If now I have to pay for $22 a month and I can't split it with my sister and my mom, and now you're telling me my mom and dad who are going to have to pay $22 a month for Netflix. They're not fucking doing that. They're not doing that. They don't watch enough on Netflix. I don't, I don't, the only reason I'm keeping my account is because we like review a lot of this stuff. And like, even then I don't want to be one of those guys who is like cancels my account and then goes, can you give me a free account? Cause I'm reviewing stuff like that's just not me. So I'll like, okay, it's a business expense to me for, for a little bit of it. It's like Eric and I review the movies and TV shows that are on there. So I'll keep Netflix and give it a fair shot. But like, is there enough on there for me to want to spend $22 a month on it? I don't know. I'd resubscribe for stranger things and I would resubscribe for Cobra Kai and like, I don't know. I'd go see the movies that they release at Lightbox because they started doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And and I don't know, man. Like it's it, we're in a really <laughs> interesting spot. And like I think it's those signs that scare your shareholders, right? And can they bounce back? I'm not saying they can't, but you'd have to like start putting out consistently great stuff, or you're only gonna become that thing that people subscribe to because they want to watch stranger things for a month or because they want to watch X for a month. Like, I don't know if you know your backlog of things like all of, and the other thing on top of that, they never owned any of their content and their original content. Like all these studios are going, okay, we'll give you tier two or tier three streaming rights, but we're going to, a lot of the places aren't even going to do that with them anymore. You've seen Sony make deals with them and things like that. Cause Sony do, doesn't have their own streaming platform, but like, or it's the other way around where Netflix buys someone to try to bolster their, you know, content output. But I don't know, man. I, I yeah, do- I I mean, I don't think it I don't think it's the end. I think that they need to figure out they need to reevaluate and figure out a way to take what they already have and not even try to duplicate the success, but maintain it. And like, maybe, I mean, maybe it's a kind of a little, I mean, I'm not saying that Netflix is a Ponzi scheme, but like in terms of like it, it getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where they can't manage it anymore. And, you know, like they're, they're putting themselves in further debt to try to win more, more subscribers over. Um, which again, like it feels like anybody that has Netflix or wants Netflix already has it, you know, it's not going to really going to get anybody else on board that doesn't have it already. So it's not really. So now it's retention. You have to convince those people to keep it. Right. Yeah. And I almost feel like you should be like investing more just on like what is working and then also try to find a way of of cultivating talent like look at what like 
again, like look at like what smaller studios like A24 has done. I don't necessarily agree with what A24 has done branding wise. I think they're kind of getting away from, you know, the filmmakers and, and not servicing them first and foremost. But at least, you know, they've kind of helped people like Ari Aster and Robert Eggers and the Safties and, you know, up and coming filmmakers create a name for themselves within this production company within this studio. And I feel that Netflix, even though it's helping a lot of filmmakers get movies made that otherwise they couldn't, it's not necessarily, you know, you're, you're not going to a Netflix, Netflix and being like, Oh, you know what? Like I need to go to Netflix because this is where I'll get all my, you know, Jane Campion, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. new, new content. Like I, I really do feel like they, they need to kind of, build people up like i i always remember what lulu wong said about the farewell and the reason why she went with a24 is because she did she wasn't a name filmmaker yet but a24 the way that they work is that they make the filmmaker they advertise the filmmaker first and foremost you know like when you're when you're a noah bomback or martin scorsese or someone and they know like their that. audience and that their audience will latch on to that where exactly a, a netflix exactly. it's again quantity it's a mass audience that you're appealing to the masses and you find your niche groups but like it's really hard to find your content discovered but if you especially. make a filmmaker a brand within yeah. your company and make that filmmaker or actor the star attraction that people will want to continue to come back to that's the, the kind of thing that i think they need to do more of they've been trying a little bit with like obviously like ryan reynolds and the rock and things like that but it, it's just like they they they're kind of also getting lost in like trying to create ip that are is franchisable and like the franchise stuff really isn't working for them obviously when no. uh, the series stuff it is a little bit obviously you mentioned stranger things like squid games did very well for them the mini series stuff has done well enough yeah um but yeah like they need to kind of focus in on what is working and not just kind of literally do the the quantity over quality thing they need to now look at quality first well if they're going to start cutting their spending right then um because i think I read something that was like the thing about Netflix is because they did so well out of the gate that you're able to get really high loans and 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 you you're spending more than you're earning right which any company yeah. when they're when they're becoming successful does but they're like they were spending like a you know someone who had way more money than they had and they didn't realize like eventually when you capped out is like you're going to have to bring that back down because you're spending like you could get an unlimited amount of subscribers but if you can't then you're never going to make that money to pay that money back and like yeah. that's when you uh have to go oh shit this is how much money we make per year now <laughs> because this is how many subscribers we have and it's like we're not going to get more if anything will it'll fluctuate between losing some and getting back to where we were um, we need to kind of figure out what that money spend is and then spend accordingly, which may, might be a good thing. Like it might be a good thing. I don't know. Maybe they have to become more strategic. Maybe they have to be a little bit more careful with their money. So we're getting less content, which means we're getting more, you know, targeted stuff and less stuff on the platform so they can kind of promote it better. And I don't know, maybe it'll be a blessing in disguise, but right now, 
people were like, Ooh, that, that did not go well for them. And, and it showed some signs of all these other companies like Disney, like Apple, like that have other revenues coming in that they can use to make that content is just like, if you're only going off your subscriber base subscription, that's why you just have to keep raising your price. And there's so many streaming services now, dude. Like it's just, yeah. there's so many that people have choice. And if they go, you don't have what I want, I'm not paying $22. <laughs> I pay for this and this and this and this and this. So I get it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but my prediction at a minute or one hour and 42 seconds, 42 minutes, I am dead. One hour and 42 minutes of this podcast is that Apple, I think Apple out of anyone has a lot of money on hand and they haven't really done any big acquisitions really in the, in recent memory. Like, well, I mean, they, they've done like Coda was big for them. Like, I mean like a, a company on... dude. Like, I mean, right. they purchased, they have so much money. They like Disney buying Fox and things like that. Like purchasing right. a, a, that's fine. I, they're going to purchase a shit ton of stuff, but I mean like a oh, major yeah, yeah. You mean a, a, like another, like eating yes. another corporation. Yes. See, see, I think the, the company that would benefit the most from taking um, Netflix would be Amazon. I agree Because too. Amazon, Amazon. Their platform really is terrible. Yeah. And they don't really have like. An you think identity? of like Apple TV Plus, and you think of Netflix, and you think of Disney Plus. There, there are certain shows and movies that you associate with them. Amazon Prime really doesn't have like their flagship show, and so if they were to take the Netflix stuff, they would have Stranger Things. They would have, you know, all that back catalog of stuff that Netflix and has their made platform, the which years. Netflix has a great platform. I will say, yeah. where the prime video no matter where you go i'm like this is awful <laughs> like yeah. you can just tell that like there is some good stuff on there but i think they do an even worse job of like like invincible is uh, probably like, one of their best things that they have on yeah there, so. totally and they've done some good stuff lately but it's just um i i agree that amazon would be my number two choice of who i'm predicting i don't want any yeah. of this to happen per se but I think Amazon has probably the most to gain. I agree with you. I think Apple has, I guess Amazon has more money than Apple even too, right? So either one of them, uh, and maybe it would be Amazon because you just call it Netflix Prime or whatever. And and you probably keep the Netflix name where I don't know if Apple would keep the Netflix name, but. Because um, people get that confused as well. Like with like Amazon, like a lot of um, PR people have been getting in touch at least in the U with U S critics and, and, and news outlets and things like that saying that, you know, they want to be called, um, prime video or prime. Like, it, like it's not, it's, they don't they want to change their name. Like just four Amazon. Times, yeah. Yeah. And so like, again, like Amazon doesn't have like a, a true identity of its own. So, yeah, I agree. So yeah. Okay. Matt says Apple TV, Eric says Amazon. What do you? Oh, guys I think, think Apple. I think I think I think either one. I'm just saying, like I I I I don't know who's going to do it, but I think Amazon has more to gain. Do you like, genuinely Apple, think it will happen, though? Like, do you agree with me? Yeah, I think I think eventually, like they're going to come into a, a situation where they're going to need um, to be bought out. Um, I just think that they don't like to, to what we've been talking about is that they don't have a revenue stream except for their subscribers to fall back on. So 
why not, you know, bail themselves out with a company that can spend a billion dollars or so that's still chump change to them? Oh, it'll cost. Uh, it'll cost an insane amount, but like those two, but companies it will still be have, nothing. Yeah. Those two companies have enough. They just go into their petty cash drawer and they just, like go, I was looking at um, Elon Musk's net worth because it was like, okay, yeah. like if, if he spent 44, don't let him 40, buy Netflix. <laughs> God, he probably would think about it too. Um, you know, if he, like he spent around like 44 billion on, on Twitter, Twitter 46.5, like I think. Yeah, and then like his net worth is like over two hundred. Thought he was the first billion. trillionaire, one of them. Like, was yeah, he? like I don't know how much. Is I think he's. I think he's also higher than Jeff Bezos. And, yeah, and he is like now. That, so. Yeah, and Bezos and Amazon is too, and you know Apple is up there as a company. I know Apple has a lot of just like just cash lying around that they haven't used to spend on it. Just open a door to a room. Yeah. You go into the Apple headquarters. They're like, what's that room? They're like, Oh, that's the money room. And it's like fucking Scrooge McDuck, like jumping into the giant vault of money. So that's what I, I don't know. We'll see, man. But like that, uh, it was wild following that investors meeting kind of thing and people panicking. And I think their stock dropped 22% like that day or whatever. Imagine they lost almost a quarter of their value on their company. It's come back up, I think, but yeah. Um, I wonder like, how much Twitter's yeah. lost in the last, like, I think it went up hours. since they knew, oh. because like, you got to think like, it's still a good, good thing for their shareholders, right? Like he's paying right. a premium to buy it at $55 a share or whatever it was. And like, so that's why they think that their shareholders are going to approve it because this is the most money they'll they'll ever get for Twitter. Right. Like, like it's, he's just has an obscene amount of money and I don't blame the people that are doing it either. It's just kind of like, you might as well. Right. Like if you're going to get, if you're a shareholder, like, yeah, if you're a shareholder, like I get why you, I mean, you don't give a fuck. And to everyone who's like, I made a couple jokes about it today too, but I'm like, is it really going to, I don't know. Like, is it the end of the world? They're shitty billionaires that own everything we do. I'm like, is it, I don't know. Is it really? No, it just kind of makes almost Twitter like Twitter lamer than it already is. I know, and I loved. I love Twitter. I love the platform. It's a flaming garbage truck, Um, but you can really curate your your feed. And um, if you use the mute button and the block button, and and I've met a lot of friends on Twitter. I've you know I owe a lot of my career to Twitter um, because of the kind of connections I've made. Um, throughout the years and i actually genuinely like the platform quite a bit um so it is kind of a you know i don't i do not like elon musk so no it is kind of shitty but um i laughed the one joke i thought was funny where it's like you know a guy who's having a midlife crisis has to involve us all now in it yeah i know great um that's a wrap everyone uh see you on twitter I'm at Matt Rohrbeck. He's at EM6211. Uh, please go check out our other stuff. We have a review up right now uh, for The Northman, as well as The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, we also have reviews up for Everything Everywhere All at Once. We have a couple interviews for that movie. Those are doing um, very well, actually, for us on, on on YouTube and on podcast services. We well, always, our review for Everything um, Everywhere All at Once has hit over uh, 2,000 uh for us which is pretty good 
pretty yeah. good for a YouTube channel that just does podcast stuff. And we're basically nobody. We're like the on Netflix there. of like, podcasts. Yeah. Um, our audio just always, thing. our audio, that's where people mostly um, consume our, our hashtag content. But um, yeah, shout out to everyone who checked out those interviews. I, I had a good time doing the Daniels one and Eric killed it with the uh, Ki Hui Kwan and um, Jay Cheel. Um, so I hope we do more of those. Those are fun. Nice little, and it seems like that's the content that does talking about con- now our content. Um, I fucking hate that word, but our content, um, the interview stuff, I think in those, you know, that 10 minute, 15 minute kind of interval on YouTube. So we might have to do more with that kind of stuff, even if it's just short combos and, and things like that. But uh, Eric, I hope you feel better uh very very soon i'm glad that you are feeling a little bit better from last week um hopefully you're back to normal soon and be able to leave your home or uh go to a movie screening you'll yes, be good for doctor strange next week probably. yeah yeah luckily yeah, it's a I'm slow week for, right yeah i'm i'm actually kind of grateful that this week like you know since it's the the end of april as we're recording this which is bizarre that we're almost in may now um that this is kind of a nice relaxing week that there's mm-hmm. not a lot kind of being released. So I'm kind of relieved. Cause like next week is, is, is a lot. Cause yeah. I had, I had plans to go to the blue Jays game on May the 4th. We have the Dr. Strange premiere. We'll have to review that and get that up probably for the next morning, either wake up really early and do that. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs playoffs um, start next week. So they're either playing on the night of the doctor strange screening or maybe the, the other night of the, of the, my doctor strange tickets I have for the public show, um, which is a nightmare for me because I talk a lot about sports and hockey on here, but not like too much, even on Twitter to bring it back there. Whenever I tweet about hockey, no one cares, but I have to sometimes, um, everyone only I mean, cares you talked about, about mystery Alaska recently. So sure. But that's movie adjacent, right? Anything that's movie adjacent. Like I want to do a hockey movie podcast. Like eventually maybe I'll get your brother Kyle to do that with me. Um, and you guessed on it cause you know, movies, but I needed someone who also knows hockey and sports. Right. Um, uh, I'll do maybe a double dose of marching on that show that I want to do. But, um, the Leafs playoffs, like I'm such a hardcore Leaf fan that that is such a dilemma to me because I'm also love the MCU, very excited for Doctor Strange. And I'm like, if both of those things are on the same night, I am scared and I don't know what I'm going to do. I think um, one's treated you better than the other. I agree. I agree. Um, but And one's given you nothing. <laughs> okay. It's given me something, maybe not good things, but it's brought me emotion, maybe not great emotion, but um, next week's going to be a lot, but I'm glad to have that calm before the storm kind of thing. So uh, this week is pretty chill. So um, I'm grateful for that. Um, not only is it chill, we have Jay Chill the interview. Uh, please go check it out. Too. Yeah. Please go check it out. Um, one-stop shop for everything untitled underscore movies over on Letterboxd. You can find all of our reviews, our um, the podcast links, the video links, our ratings, all that stuff over there. Please go check that out. And as always, uh, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. Uh, Family Feud Canada, very not very soon, actually. I don't think my stuff starts airing until September, so I will plug that closer to then. And I already plugged my Twitter and my socials, but here it is again. 
for uh, Elon at Matt Rohrbeck. <laughs> and I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Uh, Elon Musk owns Twitter.